0: I finally made it to New York City! Ladies, shut the fuck up! God, well, anywhere beneath 14th Street. In the fun and the cultural element. It's like this, like, self-induced, like, schizophrenia. But well, I just thought you might not like what I do, and you wanna do something about it. Sorry, I never know when I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> this
1: is WVFP.
2: Gentleness and masculinity. Yeah,
1: you, you see a big, scary Italian dude that spends his days, you know, beating the shit out of people and being a you know, muscular. That's,
2: that's the northern. But,
1: but they nonetheless have this incredible sweetness with them. Yeah, it's true, that's true. That's it. Okay.
2: Here, I think. <laughs> it's really ethnic. Don't it was. Uh, I see. That makes it better. Let me get a um, test there. Yeah.
0: That's it. I'll tell you what. Test, here's test, the, test. here's
2: the thing with this. If I keep it a little lower, yeah. we won't get all of the Dean Martin. All right. But we speak up. You're gonna have you're gonna have to hold it up a little further. Yeah. And one thing you should know about this mic is it works better if it's pointed at you like a firearm.
1: Okay. Like that. Everywhere?
2: Interesting. Yeah. It might be easier Maybe. for you. Now that I've put all this out here, I'm thinking it doesn't take up that much space. So that's kind of on you guys. I mean, I offered him this. I offered him this also because it's the better spot. This is the worst spot of the table. I'm very New York. This is a very New York conversation. This is the worst spot. So I offered Thomas the best spot in exchange for the second worst spot because I'm uh, from the South. And I thought I had a lot of stuff to do here. What do you think? You're, li- you're live, you're live on the radio. I'm live on the radio. Isn't that cool? What do you think of that? i dreaming. What is this called? This is called. Welcome to WVFP. Pod New York City. This is a awesome. podcast about local New York City artists and painters. Sometimes we know people so well, we don't even care if they've moved out of the city now. Um, my, we have two guests here, Tamas, we know each other a little bit now, but there's no way I can pronounce your last name. Panitz. Tam, say it all together. Tomasz Panitz. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just, a, I'm, let's face it, everybody. I'm a cracker, and I, I can't ever get, <laughs> the more people say stuff to me, when I repeat it back to them, it sounds like an ethnic cartoon, and I'm getting more embarrassed all the time. But thank you very much for coming on the show. No, I, thank you. I used to think your last name was Paints, and it was an internet moniker. And I wasn't looking at it very quickly. I just thought it was Tamás Paints because I used to know you
1: as... So the guys who used to give me oil in my house in Catskill would send bills to Timash Panache. Panache?
2: Yeah. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Bless them. Um, you're a writer and although you have, I think, probably kind of officially moved out of the city now, right?
1: Thoroughly. Um, <laughs>
2: but you're here, you're back all the time.
1: Yeah. yeah because yeah.
2: this is where... Things
1: happen here. I'm enjoying a a vogue like I've never enjoyed before, in fact. I, when yeah. I lived in the city, um I didn't know anyone. No one liked me.
2: Really? Yeah. That's not true, but I knew who you were.
1: Well.
2: Don't just say. Yeah. You know. But you were it's we we're so. gonna argue about this in a <laughs> second. I think this is actually a point of contention between you and I, I think. Um and we're also joined today by you're gonna say his name for me. Joel Newberger. Joel Newberger. No problem. Here you go. Joel, Joel, you live here in the city? No. Neither of you guys. But I'm did. former,
3: former Greenpoint, former Inwood.
2: Okay. You used to live in the
3: city. I lived in the city.
2: Have you absconded with? Thomas? Are, are you? Um, <laughs> are you guys together in Chattanooga or something? With a
3: bag of there? coins? Yeah. Uh, really? No. Yeah. Not at all. Oh, okay. Where do I you- live. I live upstate. Mm. In Hudson.
2: The Hudson Valley. Yeah. The Hudson Valley artist tradition. Yeah, it's really easy to come back in the city when you live there. You could have just lied to me. You could have just said Inwood again. You could just tell people that all the time. That I
3: well, that was practically out of the city.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. quick do you ever think about just getting a p.o box and just lying all the time you're like "Ah, no come here once a week there's no cachet (laughs) yeah there's no cachet there's no cachet
3: in living in the city
2: (laughs) i think that there's a cool thing with the hudson valley art thing i think all that stuff's cool i think half the artists in new york city plan to like go there as soon as they get some money they're just gone they're gonna go there anyway so you're doing the right thing well i I think
3: both of us well i don't know i'll speak for myself when i lived in new york i didn't live in new york
2: you I lived was just out in Brooklyn, and you uh, lived out. I was.
3: I mean, I was just in my own. There are people, who, there are poets who live in New York.
2: Yeah. And then there are poets who
3: just happened to.
2: Uh when I lived in Brooklyn, I would be furious at this line of thinking yeah. that I didn't live in New York out there. Yeah. And then I lived. In, then I moved to Manhattan, and I was like, that's not New York. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it happened to The very first day, I was like, nope.
3: Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean more in the sense of being really entangled with the city. Yeah.
2: No, that's really true. You know, you um, one of one of the things that I kept with me as a daily affirmation when I first moved to the city was I met a girl. I met some girls on the subway, and they were giving each other um, really solid life talks at the time. And w- when I like started, with the, the the conversation that pulled me in was. Um, one of them was saying that the other one was telling her problems and the other one said, "Girl, this is what you need to do. You need to buy a bike and move to Greenpoint." And I just thought that was so funny cuz it's like the, the the city spirituality has like these spots where you're supposed yeah. to be able to go to like somehow disconnect and that's one of them. Yeah. The Greenpoint, you know. You you lived out there, right? Yeah, All right. Well, anyway, thanks a lot guys for coming on the show. You you're here tonight um, for a reading.
1: Right Um, Can you tell me The other people In the reading Ruben Dendinger. I believe he Pronounces it Dendringer
2: Dendringer Dendringer. And we actually Know him It's spelled Like
1: Dendinger
2: He was at Your last Uh, reading That this radio Station kind of Covered Yeah Out in Brooklyn He was there
1: Yeah, and he he just had a collection of short stories released called Cursed Images, and the other reader is Cassie Vogel, who just graduated from Brown's MFA, and uh, she's um, she's about to explode on her world, is my prediction.
2: I agree with you, I follow both of these people on Instagram, and I'm actually like did this really annoying thing with them where i was like can i please come to this event can i even cover this event and then not follow up and not follow up but that's because i I'm, I'm not sure i can get to brooklyn all the time and i hate promising people i will talk something all the way to the top and then be like eh, i could not do this <laughs> you know i won't i don't want to be like lock it in if i'm not 100% so the brooklyn stuff scares me sometimes but we're we'll going to find out Let's see in the future of this broadcast. I think I'm coming tonight. All
1: right, good.
2: I think Can't it would wait. be cool for this broadcast to come tonight. <laughs> I um, agree. I think that some of the stuff you're involved with, you do. I I want to go back to what we started arguing about immediately about where you are.
1: Right. Where you're
2: in your yeah. career right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what, this is my tiny little take on it. I have right. your book here. This is my tiny little take on it. You were getting more and more popular. Yeah. And then you just fucking left. You just you had your own reasons. You're fucking out of here. But it? then that trajectory continued.
0: Yeah.
2: And I think you're coming out of it a little more. You think you left and then the trajectory.
1: Well, it's, it's difficult because something happened in the poetry world and it all went online and dispersed. The power that was in the city when I lived here briefly that was super exclusive and yeah. uh, kind of uh, mean and boring it it just disseminated and then suddenly all these people start popping up across the country that's how it it felt I suppose they were were from social media they were from social media it just changed the entire landscape and people that were interested in we'll call it avant-garde poetics or whatever that's right uh, could suddenly connect with each other without uh, I don't know without suffering in one place they could suffer all in their own spots yeah Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I, don't, I think I became more popular with uh, editing journals that, that were hunting these people down or that or, or these people were finding, whatever. Uh,
2: because of because of the internet, because of maybe the lockdowns and uh, and that <laughs> so kind just of stuff? took a picture of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's for the St- news. The, I always just assume fan, not stalker, but it's almost always true the other way, but go. <laughs> <You>
1: know,
2: <laughs> who knows? Yeah, you we'll never know. You. you don't know what's happening.
1: But as for, as for the rest of it, physically, I live in a small town in Tennessee.
2: You live in Chattanooga.
1: I moved to Athens, God. Tennessee. It's an hour north of there. It's immediately between Knoxville and Chattanooga, New York, and Miami. No, So that's it's kind of on a pretty important trail.
2: I actually, um, as much as I'm in love with Chattanooga, since me and you kind of connected a little bit over that, um, the, re- the listeners and you will know, I was there over last Christmas, uh, in, in the new, between Christmas and New Year. I fell in love with Chattanooga, but then after I talked to you about it, I realized this is a um, very blown-up real estate market. the hot, hot property. Yeah. No wonder I like Chattanooga. When I went there, I was like, wow, <laughs> things are happening. Well, of course, the money probably, the, the gentrification and the, the tech people probably followed right along.
1: Yeah, it's still a lot cheaper than... And Knoxville, that are to live in.
2: and Knoxville is a great college town, in my opinion. I'm a connoisseur of college towns, although I'm uh, getting just old enough for that to be embarrassing to say. But I used to really like it.
1: Ah, there's traffic there.
2: Yeah, there's traffic there. For me, there.
1: as soon as there's traffic, in my opinion, the quality of life is like, I don't want to leave my house. So like, do there's you nothing think, out there anymore. It's do ruined.
2: you think, um, you know, I, I once dreamed of young poetics. And the deal then was... Um, I believe the internet existed, but I couldn't afford it or something, it didn't matter. It didn't matter as much. Uh And um, the deal was I I went to a bookstore and I hung out there and there were other guys there and they they just hung around there and they they might want to talk about Keats or something. That kind of thing's changed with uh, obviously social media and the internet, but you're just talking about how it's been positive for you. But maybe the, you know, the negative part is you're not going to the bookstore in Knoxville ever, right? right? You don't want to, you don't care about being involved in anything. No, I'm, not, I'm yeah. just saying like, I, I think about that sometimes about when I said to you, cool college town, I realized then in that moment, a lot of the things I used to get out of stuff like that, like going to a panel discussion, going to the bookstore, checking out the local press. I don't need to go to fucking Knoxville to know any of that shit anymore. Right.
1: It's true. It, it can take away from what's locally available in the scene that could exist there. But at the same time, it's like the smaller the, the pie, the sharper the knives kind of thing. And there's, you know, a lot of the poetry bad. The egos are huge. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of Uh, It wears you down to to have to put up with people just because you want to be a poet, which is uh, not really the spirit of poetry.
2: This is a rock star. Are you on tour right now? (laughs)
1: This is your third show this week? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I hear what you're saying. I would would suggest that maybe that's what brings you back to New York. Yeah, absolutely. There's the quality sometimes of what's happening.
1: But also the... So sort of the vibe at these events, because these people are brought together mainly by the internet, is pretty different than what you'd get at, say, the Poetry Project. Like at the, the readings that I've been doing, everyone's extremely friendly. They'll just walk up to you and say hi. And, and it was never like that when I lived in the city. And most readings, I don't think, are like that. No. So I, there I think there's a, a, a new kind of emergent a reading that's emerging. It's kind of like uh, just this node yeah. that's created pretty much solely by the internet. Yeah and it's like a comic con
2: situation. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think it it's also it how do it's really it's really fascinating. I think you're juxtapositioning the kind of poetry readings that we know from New York City's past. Like we're in an apartment we're doing local press stuff to the kind of poetry readings or the readings that our viewers might know a lot more like Dream Baby and these kind of big kind of spectacle readings um, celebrity reading stuff the difference there is that one of them's born from a poetry scene and the other one's kind of born out of an event scene right and it's come using poetry or it's poetry might be part of the event scene thing right
3: right right
1: that's
2: social media's fault for sure that's true.
1: You and, know. Yeah. and then there's there's the poets that are associated yeah. with that kind of event, and uh, well, that contributes to, <laughs> contributes to um, the dulling of, of poetry in general. Is the what would, what would you call that dull, that phenomenon? Do
2: you, Do you think it's availability, really? That's dulling it.
1: Wait, availability. It's how? What do
0: you mean?
2: <clears throat> I guess if something gets popular, then the capital area is flooded with said things, and then a lot of them aren't the quality of what made the whole thing uh, popular. Is uh-huh. that what's happened? Something got yeah. like yeah. poetry readings got, for some reason, youthfully popular, and now we're maybe flooded with a scene of like a bunch of stuff, and we don't know. None of it has any background for us. and
1: Yeah, and, and what people find uh, available in that work for themselves is just that it's familiar because it's what there is around there. And so that creates a, 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 a vacuum. A, a spectacle? It, it's
0: spectacle.
1: Well, well, I, I would just suggest that there's different kinds of availability, yeah. one of which is a really radical and doesn't belong in the scene, or it, it could vault in there on accident. It's right. not integral to the creation of a
2: scene like this, Man, it's nothing to do with you or me or anything else, but what I can't stop thinking here is about how your condition in Athens, Tennessee, and what's happened with social media and good poetry in New York City is working maybe against us. Sturacinating us here, but making small town America and smaller city connections better. But maybe here, it's hurting us because we used to have kind of these treasured little art scenes that yeah. now anybody can just kind of smash in, as, especially if they have a bunch of followers from on the internet or something. Yeah. Boom, they're here now. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's something to think about. I have absolutely no segue out of that, but <laughs> maybe this is not good. I mean, I don't know. I'm. <laughs>
0: oh,
2: <that's laughs> I kind my, my of wanted to make sure. Um, one of the things going on with my show and that, that it looks so good we got some lasagna here at the table and uh we're here in did we tell everybody we're in little italy on mulberry street yeah, just above during grand? the
1: feast of san Gennaro? oh man and we're at l'amore
2: restaurant it's up here kind of at the top guys north of grand i love it because you can always get a table down here it's not quite as touristy you're still in new york and these guys down here work really hard the lasagna looks great. I'm high on drugs, and I'm drinking, or I would have some lasagna, but totally looks good to me. That wasn't for us. That wasn't for you. That wasn't I for us. I did a commercial for L'Amour, and <laughs> it included me not eating. It, su- it sounds really good, you know. Wish I could have have. We could on,
3: propose, yeah. though, that amore defines the the contrary tradition of poetry that new york has cast out and that we preserve
2: what do you think what do you mean the
1: illuminati is what
2: you're describing (laughs) (laughs) oh here we go the essence
1: of the illuminati is that only other members of the illuminati really will know you that's right it's uh it's it's self-reflective thing it's just you recognize a real one and that's real ones recognize each other um
2: I, I think, like, uh, were you, were you going you to, you know, opine? Oh, say something more about that? I don't want to cut, cut you off, man. You know, you, just, you need to jump in. I'm, I'm from New York City now. I'm just, I'll jump in when you jump in on top of you. You know what I mean?
3: Well, I just think that the, 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 uh, the secret tradition of at least poetry in the West is a tradition of a special kind of love. Uh, One of the problems now is that people have cut themselves off from the tradition. And so they just repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat um, the same things. And I don't mind that. I mean, it is what it is. But um, I think what differentiates my work and Tomáš's work and other people's that we're close to is intense awareness of the relevant... I mean, of poetry, of what, what has yeah. been done. Um, and not, not, are, that, not, not that it, no, it's not a historical awareness. It's but something. Doesn't it doesn't
2: have to be part of. Don't we want things to be part of the stream of art and not necessarily to be referential, but to be aware of itself? Like in art, you really have to know where you've been and where you're going for it to be more important or more important to what, what the lineage of poetry is. You know? It's
3: part of seeking uh, the most refined definition of what you're doing in the moment that you're doing it that you can possibly manage, um, and not just going on vaguely about whatever it is that you're doing. You know, um. how
2: how much of it? How much of poetry is a uh, artistic access to? Um you know, telling the truth about yourself or, fa- or facing things that in the moment. How much of it, you know, is being in the moment that ends with a truth or something a little more self, there's some kind of self reflection. You know, like I'm thinking about the opposite of, you know, something the exploratory, the opposite of what maybe auto the auto fiction trend uh, promises us. I don't know what auto fiction is. Don't lie no. to me.
1: I think oh, that he's describing something like the nexus of the the historical and the now and um, whatever one's personality. Oh, I love that. Um which yeah, I, I mean I would say that just speaking for myself, my work is almost obsessed with um, the desire to be loved in a in a broad way and to satisfy someone, satisfy myself. It's an act of self love. It um, I mean it's not pandering. But um, when I'm in the in the moment and I'm managing to somehow manipulate the information or the language that I'm working with to to be lovable, uh, what I'm working with the the material itself is has a historical basis, and I think that that attitude, as opposed to just the mere shuffling of fucking data, is uh, we could draw that as a, a lineage from Olson and from the, whatever those the the big figures of American postmodernism. Is it
2: is it a reaction? You know to what's happening. Is it is it more important to be plugged into that historical line now more than ever when when everything can just actually exist
1: only in the instant now and never really know. <laughs> That's a a good one. Well, I mean, it depends on the kind of satisfaction you want. If you want someone that can deliver for several hours, you know what I mean, then uh, you're going to probably need more than a data stream, because that that the intelligence behind that is fundamentally limited. It's in some ways it's all about total reticulation, and so it's not limited at all, as opposed to you know a human intelligence which is limited. But. yeah, I have uh, almost no interest in work that that can't deliver deeply like that. That that isn't sufficiently grounded in in um, uh, I guess a a paradox, which is essentially what I would say the the interaction between the historical and the personal has to be. Right. Uh, sure. If Joel goes to school and uh, Joel. thinks about these things. Joel, no. Joel, are you
2: guilty of being in the educational system? <laughs> where, where you you gonna said you at? were
3: going to save the personal questions for the interview. Uh,
2: <laughs> um, Are you um, pursuing a doctorate or anything like that? Is that what's going on? or you don't really Yeah, want to talk? You don't I to talk? think so. But do you want anybody to look it up on the Internet?
3: They, they, they can look me up, but it, it's not... The same problems that uh, poetry suffers, scholarship suffers also. Yeah. Um,
2: What's the difference? And the the real,
3: like, granular philological traditional scholarship has also gone away.
1: That's interesting. Criticism is suffering pretty much the same fate as poetry. You can't publish serious criticism that has any desire to write about the fucking subject.
2: Right. But, like, why? Is that, is that because people are more focused on, wh- on what? Because they must, they don't want it.
1: They are obsessed with objectivity. They believe that there's something objective in the world, which is a heinous, stupid idea that isn't necessary to any part of life. Even if you're like building a machine, it's not necessary. It's just a pragmatic issue. If you think that, whatever, this gear is this long and I think it's that long, well, there's a lot of reasons why there's no true measure of how long anything is but, but uh, the casual consumer of arts in america has become in a bad way no it's
2: fine in a bad i i could in a bad way an archaeologist um, um a scientist who's actually in search for something deeper deeper than entertainment the person who comes to art but he's been trained now in our modern era to be like this archaeologist where he's immediately got to know all the facts and he's got to compare all the facts you know, and uh, oh, uh, like you said, the obje- obsession with objectivity has a lot to do with um, the consumer judge that the internet has all made us, where we're like, we're like, no, 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 and we scroll, we scroll, and we decide, and we decide, and now we're like this archaeologist judge who has to compare every single thing.
3: I think that the
0: I, I think so
3: that there's hurt. a danger in talking about this of over-determining or overstating the importance of. The internet and of
2: um the show my show struggles with it. <laughs> no but inter- we're i understand well, we're i understand but the internet- we're struggling here with like where this art community meets fucking reality anymore actually but there's too
3: much also there's yeah. I think that one of another one of the ailments if you want to speak yeah. about ailments no, yeah, yeah. is is the and we were speaking about this the other day is the is the undue importance given to community in nice in poetic work <laughs> no um, I'm serious and, and just simply reversing what ought to be the case which is that the work should come before the community and not after um, and, and there is a sort of eternal community that Tomash was talking about which yes. is the eternal everlasting and joyous community
2: of, <laughs> of, I, of, of, of the still living poets I but I just think you know, even but sharing art i and i know you guys probably won't agree with this but i think even almost sharing art is sometimes seen too much as a community when that's actually the community people are talking about like when i share something are we in a community now no not necessarily <laughs> i'm serious and you you guys i'm i know i know he does so you probably do too you tour some of this stuff to other places you go to bookstores and places and read. i don't tour i you stay home I mean? and when Tomasz okay. comes then i come okay He's got you out. I don't He's have the same entrepreneurial
3: the spirit that he has. Oh,
2: you should no, you should watch this guy. This guy's <laughs> making moves. But right what
3: now. I'm saying about love and, and also about language is that we live in structures that are that span <laughs> millennia, and those are right. the fundamental deep structures that we're still working in, no matter how things seem to be in yeah. so-called society. I mean, right.
2: um, You know, society's not real, right? Do they don't think society is real? That's a, a description of something.
3: Uh, it's an there easy way there to could summarize. be a society, right? Of, just, of friendship and sort of mutuality but right. i say so called because that's not it's how it's things an, it's things it's an
2: abstraction in, in, in our in our idea. yeah
3: in our days an it's abstraction it's like a
2: forest yeah, yeah it just trees close together isn't it um, yeah. So what are you are you reading something new tonight? Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a totally fresh. Do you
2: you got a, you have a new thing out? Yeah, you I got tell a new book. About-
1: it's called Wild Lies, um, and it's well, it's mostly just it's stuff from the last year or so. Um, it's the funnest, sexiest book you know the I've probably ever movie. read. So.
2: Good, that's right, we're going to get out and get it Is it going to be for, uh, you know, this is, won't be out Like who cares It's out. I know uh, this, oh, this, this is show is right. not going to come out by tonight <laughs> yeah. But you'll have the book I'm asking for myself You'll uh-huh. have something available tonight to buy And you got it with you?
1: I will, though to even get to this event You'll have to DM Ruben for
2: <laughs> I'm me i following you Well you have a tracker on you now yeah. So none of this matters I already Good. know there's a guy, <laughs> when you leave here there's, Someone's going to follow you, it's not me but he's also wearing a cowboy hat. We
1: saw him
2: before. That would be hilarious.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we saw a man in a black cowboy hat that looked very similar to
2: you. Well, (laughs) only fat guys really go for this, so it's usually just a fat dude wearing a cowboy hat. I think it's hilarious when people tell me, I thought I saw you downtown. (laughs) Who's this other guy? (laughs) Who's this person? Oh, I love that shit. I tried to talk to the naked cowboy at um, Donald Trump's arraignment in Lower Manhattan, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> I thought it was this weird. I realized all of a sudden it might have been this like weird competition thing or something. Because i was like, hey, it's the other cowboy, and he was like, no, don't come near me. Mm. I'm sorry. There's, there's a New York City story for you. I
0: also,
1: back to this um, community business. Yes, the I community think that business. because there's. Uh, it's very difficult in the, in the poetry world to um, just say what you what you think, what you would like to say, some things that you would think are funny or at all sexual or amusing or whatever. Why? Um, why is that? Th- it's that, just that, too that there's very academics? little freedom. I think that there's a lot. Why? Too many lo- academics? It's not just saying funny things; it's saying like serious things. Well, yeah, serious <laughs> things. Well, yeah, I think serious, serious things. things
2: are the most. Listen, you know what's really great right now is like positive feelings. Nobody right now wants to hear a, something serious that doesn't end with a way out of it. If it doesn't end with a way out of the seriousness, people are get upset,
1: you know? Um, but I think that there's, uh, I think that's the essence of community is that you find people that are willing to say something serious, w- whatever. Is, I, by funny, I mean serious.
2: Is what we want in a poetry scene actually community or is it more fraternity? I w- sometimes I wonder, like, in a community, you know, communities raise children together. What? Communities work Communities raise a baby together or something. <laughs> you know, communities have to share yards the way poets, in that sense, might have to share an ideological line or something. But is that really what we're looking for? Aren't we looking yeah. for more a place where other people may have communed with the art of poetry or the history of poetry? We're looking for um, other people... Who might allow things to happen in the framework of poetry that people who don't understand fucking poetry don't want and do? That's fraternity,
1: right? I mean. Well, I, I think that community is essentially human as opposed to fascism, which is essentially getting rid of community and, and human in favor of the perfect. Right. Whatever, perfect buildings, whatever and, they are. Um, like. An and engineering.
2: Yeah, which right, is. It's but, about almost like an engineering thing. Where yeah, we're yeah. replacing you all with a system.
1: Yeah, which is exactly like the poetry world, more or less. Um, the yeah. sort of poetry pipeline that seeks to create a perfect mirror of capitalism at large to create a system for selling poetry and for you know, whatever, whatever being a poet. I mean, there's you know thousands and thousands of poets are being created every year in what in these programs to be in the pipeline. To so be in the pipeline. Um, Do you think
2: like the collapse of small magazines, too, has left a, a lot to academia? No more are there a bunch of people being published in plowshares, having a meeting at another restaurant here. A lot of what comes out in New York City, a lot of whatever the literature pipeline is more and more um, straight academia. He wants to chime. Oh, yeah. Chime in. I don't, I don't like uh, the nostalgia either. Okay. No, I, I understand that. Um. I mean this is New York
3: part of the problem in New York is that it's haunted by sixties, seventies.
2: Yeah. Right.
3: When we could do it, when we could afford it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When it was so great. But the, the 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 ones whose work you still go to uh, they can't be entirely accounted for by circumstance.
2: Um, because, because an artist exists out of time as well as in his own. Time. Because of this nexus, be because of
3: this nexus that Tamas was talking about, where the where the where time and whatever the other thing is cross. Love, Self-paced. And love, yeah, and love or magic cross.
2: Um, that well, you know. I, I see I don't think we're I don't think we're in such trouble. Oh. But it's it's for the pragmaticist to believe we are always it's always trouble. Right? And the American pragmatic spirit is always buttressing and is always thinking about, you know, the storm ahead. That's pretty boring. But we're very people. optimistic too. Yeah. I love Emerson for
3: that. Right. Well, the
2: storm's coming,
3: but I can weather it. Is Emerson. Hey, Europe's gone over there. We're here. The sun is shining. Yeah, yeah. We got these beautiful bodies. We can speak our language. We can make our. Po- I mean,
2: we can eat. Do you, think, do you think he's wrong, though? No. In the do you think he's historically wrong? I can see the fucking <laughs> look in your eyes. Look, <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> Was it okay? To do what? I don't know yes europe's over there you know and what what all that emerson stuff ends with is uh, is um you know the next generation of night in jail you know and all that stuff ends with like um my side of the mountain what is my side of the mountain we have something separate from society we're artists we have something here it's displayed as like the countryside or america away from europe new land But is all of that, was all of that, speaking to him historically in the vein of Americanism, was that a complacency about where we found ourselves at the time? It was like just time to lay outside. It wasn't necessarily the best. He's not necessarily right. It's like saying something in his time, like Europe's over there, it's not our problem. Would be a hilarious thing to tell somebody not too far later than that. I'm not kidding. So there's something about that. I think a lot about the row Well, it's, n- it's I think neither. A lot about where all that goes, my friend. But it's, ni- it's
3: neither our problem nor our uh, foundation. I mean, it, it, it,
2: as humans, it, like I, here,
3: we can't make reference to the same continuities that. And the same that context that we can that we can make. So it's a lot is thrown onto us to invent or to make. Right. It's not against community. He was he's, not against community. Ref- well, when you, but you say it's
2: thrown on, okay.
3: It's just cast yeah, onto just us, us ev- everything, everything is in a way in our
2: hands. Yes. And so we have, but it's, we don't have that thick tradition, but... Is he indulging the American tradition that sometimes it's best not to work on it. Is he is he indulging the American tradition that is this is something that people in other countries don't really experience where the American says and, and maybe his is a lifetime of this, but the American says some days we're not working today. You know, we don't, today is for you know, we're being outside and we're not thinking about it. And we're not doing the things that you know, whatever society is why wanted us to do. Is not Emerson kind of saying like Hey, yeah, maybe society's real, but you know you don't fucking have to do it today. You can do. I think he worked every 30. day. The, but yeah, I and mean, we work every day. No, no, no project. <laughs> we do. You're like, are you talking about Emerson or me right now, you dirty son of a bitch? <laughs> uh, I think about Thoreau and Emerson a lot.
1: We we work every day, but we're egoists. So you know the the nature of the work is different. If you're a truly American work, that is, um, I think is essentially egotistical. If you look at Whitman's introduction to his Leaves of Grass, it's it's a description of uh, egotistical cowboy lifestyle. even the someone who looks you in the eye and shakes you in the hand is not part of. some crummy little friend group that's just together to just to be together because they can't be alone you know these are people that conquered the west <laughs> i don't
3: agree
1: i mean i, I don't agree <laughs> well how so? Well, I have other reasons
2: for liking egoists. Well, there's definitely a dichotomy. We don't want to get too boring. In America, there's definitely a dichotomy between the, the individual and then that great expanse. And what a European might have had as more a centered spirituality. In America, is the great expanse. And sometimes it's the great expanse of yourself. Sometimes it's the great expanse of whatever out west was in our minds. It's the forest, it's the falls, or it's even the city. But I th- what, what about Whitman's sense
3: of love? That, and, and a love that's dispersed, in a way that's dispersed from the beloved that controls the European romance. That's dispersed from that singular object onto all... I mean, in a in a dream or in a in a desire projected many years into the future, but onto all
1: of the throngs of the people. Conquering the West, Concrete. yourself as well. And if you're doing that, that's by creating a space for radical love that could include whatever, right? Trump tapped, Lincoln, grass, anything. It's fucking pretty smart.
3: I mean, the people who, who talk about community and who speak against what they call egotism turn out to be the bosses and turn out to be the
2: administrators and turn out to be the. We could never stop that, can we? You know, isn't that. Some people, political people, will start talking about how oh, we need more individualists at the State Department.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, you know, so to get past the pedantics there, those people don't go to work at a place like that. How do we ever get past um, a consolidating social? Ur- the urbanity does this, but now the internet will do it for us. Sorry, guys, I mentioned that again. But it, the ever consolidatingness of things, like, of systems like that, makes you wonder how we'll ever get out of the cycle of the people who are more geared toward a communitarian lifestyle entering the things that control and you know now now it's a separation of ide- almost of uh, unspoken ideology you don't have to speak on that you don't have to speak on that by the way i <laughs> he just said <laughs> i have no thoughts on that i don't know how <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I like to say something like, "How would we ever get out of this, Tamus? <laughs> how are we ever going to get out of this predicament?" <laughs>
0: um, I have an answer. I, I know how we're going to oh, okay. get out. Okay. I got it. Okay. Uh,
1: so the phalanx, by our, our old friend I Fourier it, it, There's um, a, there's these utopic communities that were that didn't work out, but um, the only way out of it is to change our entire worldview and our ethical understanding of what, of our own behaviors, even why we, there are things that we do that are positive, but there's no real ethical backing to them because people don't know enough about themselves to know why they're doing something, why right. Black Lives Matter, for example. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, that totally diverged from my phalanx idea, well, which you- <laughs> we'll bracket, but... <laughs>
2: you think like... Um- Maybe there doesn't need to be any context or meaning to slogan, mostly because people aren't seeking it.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier not to... Why, then? Why Why, why, you know, why is nobody... Well, you don't need it. You don't need to understand anything, is it thankfully. Be- is it
2: because I'm... they know in their hearts it's very media and single-serving, and therefore they don't look for the context because they know somewhere in their subconscious that there really isn't one and that they don't care? The part of it is about prosecuting something on other people, and that doesn't really need context, it just needs like a green light to activate the person inside you who wants to prosecute. Isn't that why nobody's looking for a deeper meaning? Because that's not the motive.
1: Yeah, and, well, and you don't get power easily from uh, having a deeper meaning. For example, we, we publish this journal and we have Southeast Asian art on the cover. And inevitably, we get essentially bullied by old, old white ladies on the internet, being like, "Could you explain the relevance of this, you know, <laughs> image of this world religion you're using?" And it's oh, just like, "Would you like a list of like the ethnicities of like my contributors? Because like I didn't write that down. Ooh, you know, right. I wasn't obsessed with it. Nor am I going to tell you my ethnicity, which uh, it's might validate me. But I'm not going to let you know.
2: <laughs> always a hilarious question.
1: Yeah." Yeah, but uh, well, the the essence of the question is not that they would like to know. No, it's to show that they have the power to make you to to ruin you. It's it's, just bullying. It's it's so you'll
2: yell it out and admit that it's one of the most important things, too. (laughs) You know, they're demanding it's important, so now you better comply, or else there's something wrong with you because you must not agree that yeah. it's very important
1: and it's, it's totally tied into identity it's the same people who are deeply disturbed that we don't have a masthead listing our editors in a clear obvious place they're like who, who is this are you like, why are they <laughs> doing this is s- suspicious and like, it, I don't like it
2: is it good um, for your writing for people to know you or or is your writing stand apart from what people can find about you do well, do you project anything on are you doing on purpose any do you use your personality in it? Or are you hoping people could consume it without ever knowing you?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of my personality in in my writing, and I also am a, I'm a performer at heart. You know? Right. But um,
2: I still like the paintings sometimes.
1: <laughs> but uh, on, I mean, online, if I'm editing something, that's about other people. That's a larger vision than just you know what I dreamed up in my in my room and so my uh, my identity in that is far less important than the other people I've drawn in somehow or that, that drew themselves in to create this own this thing that I'm you know, I, I was there I helped it come along but it's not me so yeah, I mean people think that I need to be able to take credit and write an editorial about it and heavy-handedly say, as you can see, this is as showing you can, yeah. the extreme value of whatever fucking idea I have that's valuable. So.
2: What a crazy world where somebody would want to do that who, who grew up wanting to work with language, express themselves with words, to think about how, like, what I really want to do is keep explaining in more words the thing I just made consisting of words. I don't know. Uh, the, the it makes me think about
3: Emerson again.
2: But isn't it what people want, though? No, say it. No, go ahead.
3: Oh, he he says, um. He's a he was a he was a crazy man, Emerson. He says um, something like, "I shun my father, my brother, my sister, my wife." When my genius calls me, nice, very future. I would write on the lintels of the doorpost. Whim. I hope it's better than whim at last, but I can't spend all the day in explanation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We can't. No, that's wonderful. That's like, um, what is it about? (laughs) I've used the word so much of whimsy um, recently, but that's in place of like playfulness, which is what I was doing before. It's so obvious that these things are lacking um not just in art but probably in poetry you know any kind of sense of um wreck a casual recklessness in in pursuit yeah nobody does that anymore is that is that again because people don't want to feel reckless
1: yeah i mean i mean i do it i i think it's also uh, i mean that's key to to enjoyment and pleasure the pleasure of your writing your, your own poetry, whatever pleasure you can manage to get out of that awful task, but also <laughs> in hearing it. you know otherwise you're just trotting forth these things that you've you know whatever crafted like a, like, a, like you're a diamond cutter or something. And uh, that's not that deeply pleasurable as to hear someone in the middle of it you know, doing things they don't even know about and shocking themselves with the obscenities that they've just done or, you know, whatever it might be.
2: I, I, I like it when you describe the creative process in a negative manner. I, <laughs> I wonder sometimes if like a lot of display or you can tell me if readings um, of poetry are kind of to get back a good feeling that one loses when constructed,
1: you know? Yeah, well, I mean, constructing is really hard work. You, for me, it's like I'll just write what I can, and I won't be satisfied. And then I'll edit a poem that has interest for me and that I think is good in some way or another, and I still will not be satisfied. And but the whole, you know, once it's come across to someone and someone feels satisfied, then it's then it's come full circle. I just take it from them, ultimately. Right. So that's the thing you see in poetry a lot, where. Where the poets like, oh, it's all about you. You wrote this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's essentially the, the full circle.
2: I think that it's harder in poetry to get that good feeling back because you need almost a necessity that somebody understood in a way that you don't need in painting. Sometimes in painting, a stranger looks at it and you feel great. You don't need what if you don't need to figure out if he understood any of it or not. I think in poetry, there's a little more um, of a satisfaction depending on whether or not people are actually like pulling in what it is.
0: And
1: and visual art generally is fortunate in that it can have value without being pleasurable. But if poetry is not pleasurable, then the values that you're appealing to are whatever, there's no innate value in it. So uh, what do you think about that, Joel?
3: I don't know what you're talking about. I think that, makes, I think
0: that, makes, that's, I think that that's a um, strong
2: check mark in the poetry community
3: yeah
0: um,
1: Joel, I'm talking about poetry that is considered, if not valuable, then at least presentable solely because of someone's perhaps social standing or the way that they're writing, what they're writing about, subject matter, their, their style, as opposed to writing that has innate value that, you know, but well, what you, about the fucks. difference with yes, yes,
3: yes. <laughs> what about the difference with painting that you were, well, i didn't understand the difference you were drawing uh,
1: well, a lot of, A painting doesn't have to be legible you could have a painting of blurs you could have you know yeah. be whatever and that can say something in its own way or it might say nothing but there's gonna be a market for it yeah. there's going to be someone that can find meaning in it whereas words are a lot less yeah friendly, p- and there's words there's can't escape their
3: meaningfulness
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> well some people almost almost managed to get them away but yeah it's Maybe I don't know if reading I agree with can't
3: that. escape its meaningfulness.
1: That's true. Yeah. Well, because the thing is, you can present something that pretends to be mere language, and that is basically without meaning. Because the, the I think what makes something meaningful is th- its understandability for a listener. If you have a couple words together and someone can't place themselves in relationship to yeah. it, there's no linguistic meaning there for them. Um, but if you can. It's, you'll be shocked at what you can place yourself in relationship to, horrible things. And yet you are now responsible for that, which is astonishing to me. That's my favorite thing about language. I could say something and you'll understand it, even though you are so sad and upset that you could understand what I said. <laughs> yeah. And the,
2: the um, investment into it is, I think, much more than any other art. A sentence that other people can understand—that maybe it makes everybody ha- happy, sad, whatever—is do so much more damage, cause so much more feeling from people. Once you work out a sentence or a syntax or something, as hard as it is, it's probably the most vital artistic form, you know. And it might—it might, it might not—but um, it—but it requires the, the viewer to understand it whereas since the sensation of the image doesn't. It's plotting into your subconscious a lot harder than anything else but, you know? And is that the problem, you know, I I don't think he likes it when I I ask him academic questions. But that's that's the the thing that people get out of academics in poetry is that since language does require a knowledge of what things mean, then in academia sometimes is the best place to meet other people. Because here you you know you, everyone's devoted to a language in an academic setting, maybe it just know more, you know. And is this um, why? You know, I don't know. I would not I don't know. Oh man, I almost thought about something positive about academia just now. <laughs> <I'll> interrupt me <you laughs> if you have a thought. So maybe maybe you know, maybe in that vein, um, literature and poetry and academia is the best art in academia because it requires so much.
1: Background. He's the guy that would.
2: She's looking at me like you don't have it, whatever it is.
0: No, <laughs> no, no, no. Whatever no. you learn in the place, no. is not what you have. I mean, my,
1: the stuff that I produce is—it's not non-academic in the sense that I have a scholarly bent in a, in a way, and there's there's things in there that require learning. But um, no one in academia Literacy. would would accept it. You know, no, no one yeah, no yeah. one's gonna publish it. Okay. And uh, no one would uh, let me read it in a college. So. That's pretty thoroughly anti-academic. Do you, do you want to? Are you like, you would
2: put the colleges on the reading tour list if, if you think they would have you? I mean,
1: my duties to my work. Like, I'll take anything. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't turn anything down. So, yeah, invite me to your whatever. I'll read at your bat mitzvah. I'll, I'll read anywhere.
2: Well, no, 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 no. It's not just that.
1: It's like the, the
2: kids of the schools are, you know, they'll get the... 91 um recaps of who's afraid of virginia Woolf? if you don't give them something else and that's one of the cool things about touring things through colleges that the academia might not even want there <laughs> is that there are people there young people who are thirsty for something and frankly what they get at school probably doesn't really cut it you know
1: oh absolutely but i mean i can't get in they're not gonna let me in i don't believe it
2: don't, we're gonna get we're gonna get them to let you in <laughs> you're gonna help you're gonna help we're gonna get i have no power (laughs) not in that realm (laughs) okay what comes after tonight where do you go after um tonight you got the reading you got the reading in new york tell me what happened we had a reading last night too oh where was it you didn't come yeah i saw that he was in new york city last night
1: it was, it was an
2: unknown. I was arguing with teenage girls on the internet all night long. It was just That's the problem of, of the internet. Yeah, I know. I'm doing all this show stuff. I'm making everybody really angry last night. Um, just for the listeners, you guys might not necessarily care. I broke a story last night. It's going to be coming up pretty soon. It's going to make everybody really angry, and it's really annoying for the art community downtown that I even exist and that I have a show. Both those things are duly annoying for the art scene downtown, and we're all gonna find out why very soon. But that is why I wasn't at the reading last night. I have to tell you, when I flipped by his Instagram thing and I saw some New York City style background, I was like, fuck. I bet I should fucking be there right now. I bet, you know, we're doing a show. I should be at the fucking reading before the show happens. I know what the etiquette is. I you're good. No, I apologize, you're good. but explain us, to us what it was.
3: What it was? Well, the reading. i don't know what it was we 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 read yeah
2: we it was five
3: (laughs) of us
2: (laughs) this is a hostile witness (laughs) witness.
3: a hostile witness
2: no i don't know where i was i don't know what i read why don't you prove i can tell you
3: exactly what i read i can tell you what tamash read uh yeah we have new books Tomáš has his new book. I have my new book. What's
2: it called? You're gonna tell me about it. My,
3: my book is called In Titan's Goblet.
2: Cool. Is it how new is it? Yesterday. Okay. Yeah. A collection of poems? Yeah. Well, no,
3: one poem, one long, long poem. A little epic poetry for everybody. Not exactly epic. Okay. But long. All right. Unending. Very cool. Um, also from our press, new books. Yes. With its subsidiaries, new smut. Yeah. oh
1: yeah, dude! I got a, a smut novella. As does Lila Dunlap. Johnny Colazo is about to, to drop a smut novella. They, there might be others, others in the works. I think that you that's. You're want to write some smut yourself. Oh,
2: who says I haven't?
1: <laughs> I think, I think, yeah. um, I, I think
2: there's such. I, I feel like that that's, you're like dialed into what's happening next with that. To be honest with
1: you, I, I'm not. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It's me to do it. It's pure <laughs> circumstance. <laughs>
3: The problem is that he, he tells people, he asks, he's always trying to ask people to write these things. Oh, write a porno, write a porno. And you can't do it. do it unless you want to do it. Right. It's not like right. writing. No, no, no,
1: You need a venue.
2: It sounds like he's asking you to write a he's, porno all the time. He's
3: asked me. He's asked me, and it just hasn't been the right time. He's asked other people, and they've tried to do it, and it's come out all wrong because it wasn't the right time.
1: <laughs> it just came out like normal writing. Yeah. <laughs> <Is that Carlos laughs> Your dear, dear friend uh, started one and it was, I mean, it was good. It was very good, but it was like a novel about jazz. There was no, there was like not the, the, a hint of, uh, you know, touchy, touchy, touchy. Where's butt? Where his butt? Um,
3: okay. We have our magazine. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of. New magazine. New American poetry. New American poetry. I don't like the name. I didn't come up with the name, Good. Uh, so it goes. <laughs> Is this the guy who
2: came up with the name? He's going to know yeah. you're talking about him. No, he knows. <laughs> I didn't come he up knew. with the name. Knew? <laughs> <It's disgusting. laughs> he just looks off into the distance. I didn't come up with the fucking no, name. No, we have a lot of problems to be in time. <laughs> time <I. laughs> we do. We're working them out right here today. No, we're not.
3: And <laughs> don't even talk about Carlos. And don't even talk about Maggie. Maggie Zavgren. Oh, she has problems with all of us.
2: Oh, good. You've got everybody's in the mix. But that's how it has
3: to be. We've, yes. We, we used to do these magazines, these publishers, well, presses that were
2: monovocal. Right. Yeah. Which happens to a Mono- lot of people. Eh, not
3: monotonous, but they were very one thing, and they weren't bringing different situations into into play. And this is. All
2: right. And you you, you had a reading last night.
3: Yeah, and then tomorrow <laughs> we're reading... Sorry. Tomorrow, we're reading in Saugerties at uh, Opus 40. Um, Where is and that? Then we're re- uh, Saugerties. It's about 100 miles up the river.
2: Cool. Um, we're, we're going to the valley.
3: Yeah, we're going up there. Okay. Then we're reading later tomorrow night also in Hudson or near Hudson um, at a friend's house.
2: You got access to boats up there, like a canoe or something? What's that? You got access Boat? to any boats up there, like a canoe? Or anything like that? I don't think so. Dude, I'm just looking at you right now, thinking about Emerson, thinking about you on a canoe up there in the <laughs> Hudson Valley. This is exactly that's exactly where you bull- need to be. That's <laughs> bullshit. I, I'm, coming up there, I'm coming up there to paint this motherfucking shit. <laughs> All right, Hudson Valley after. And, you know, if I know you, yeah. you're kind of on serious tour here.
1: Well, no, that's the that's the whole tour. Because i got to get back to Tennessee. i got some business to handle down there. But uh this has to he next has to season, retile his Yeah, I got to retile my
2: kitchen. Are you going to do it yourself? Yes. You yeah. You're it with your friends
1: or something?
3: Me and, me and my lady. You ever cut
1: tile and shit like that? Uh yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? I watched someone do it. I was very close. He <laughs> you you said he did I was it. right next to him. I had my hand on
2: You it. do it for 15 minutes, you've done it for 5 hours, trust yeah. me. <laughs> That'll be fun. Good. I love just doing the, the old young guy thing or like when I just love asking people, you ever done that before? And when they say no, I go, ha,
0: ha, ha,
2: ha. you know, as if I've tiled a thousand bathrooms.
0: <laughs>
1: but but let me say this. In the spring, I am I intend to go on a very, very large reading tour cool. to anywhere that I'm invited.
2: Oh, yeah. We're doing a big circuit thing.
1: The, the new thing that we're going to have to do. Is he going to gonna do, come?
2: I'm always invited. It's just... <laughs> I just never say yes. <laughs> Dude, you guys in a fucking van across the country, maybe arguing a lot about no the way. title of this fucking magazine. No, I just get the thing.
3: <laughs> no way.
2: That would be so fucking awesome. You guys let me know. I'll like I'll show up at one of these readings in Ohio and be like, can you guys take me with you to the next stop?
0: I <laughs> might
1: lighten the mood
2: in the van. Now it'll be all three of us with this fucking hat in the van. <laughs> We have to open
3: the sunroof
2: <laughs> Look, I really thank, thank you guys a lot for doing this I know that you got the big reading tonight You're not in town to do an audio uh, EP and eat lasagna at this table with me I really appreciate you taking the time to do this please? I do want to, sorry yes, to interrupt please. I do want to re- lay-
3: remark that you didn't eat anything You had some um, bread
2: Yeah, well I'm working Okay, we'll you're get, working Yeah, I'm working right now We'll get it. We'll, we'll definitely get it done Thank you very much for coming um, Thank you, Tamas uh, you're, 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 don't, You don't have to answer any of this You're one of my favorite guys The first time I ever saw you read I really like Was a little more in touch I've, I've met some other poets doing this Gig But you were my favorite Reading poet when I started and I thought about having you a lot on the show When it started I've, I've been in contact with you a lot It's not enough I'm glad we did this audio EP because now you're coming back for the television one. You know what I'm saying? We'll get get back to it. Thank you very much for coming. Um, WVFP. Little Italy, everybody. Mulberry Street. Let's go buy some pre-rolls.